Do it. Do it. Welcome to the Austin Otaku Podcast, hosted by Jesse McDonald and Keith Good. Welcome back to the Austin Otaku Podcast, everyone. My name is Jesse McDonald, and joined yet again by the ever flatulent Keith Good. Keith, how are you doing? Yes, still flatulent. Uh, pardon, pardon the smell. I'm... It's the post-Thanksgiving flatulence, right? <laughs> Just uh, still after after this many weeks, or actually many days after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm well. How are you doing? Very good. Very. We've good. had a couple of a uh, couple of weeks off here over the holiday. We have. We have indeed. Um, nice to be back. Glad to glad to talk to you in this non-work context. That's always nice, uh, always. but I think I think it was nice to take a little break as well. You know, uh, there's a lot of editing that goes on for these shows. We have to cut out a lot of cussing, a lot of cussing. <laughs> there's just there's a lot of threats to the American government. There's um, <laughs> there's all sorts of just problems that I have to cut out on a weekly basis. So it, it gave me a good break. Oh yeah, we're definitely on a list. We're on a list for sure. <laughs> My goal is always to be listed as a suppressive person by the Scientologist community. I know for sure I'm on some sort of government list. I hope so. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. Uh, I enjoyed the break myself. Uh, got to spend some some time with the kiddo and get some things done outside of work that I had promised to do earlier in the year. So now the rest of the year is clear so that once... Uh, the December kind of Christmas New Year holiday comes around. I can just relax. So nice, nice. Have exciting. you got the Have you got the uh, the house uh, dressed up like Krampus uh, this I year? I want to do a Krampus uh, very much. Uh, not in the budget this year, but the tree is up. It has a Nightmare Before Christmas tree skirt. The black Santa hats have been ordered, and we're ready to go because uh, we are not Christmas people. But for the sake of the child, we will <laughs> we will do as much Christmas as the best we can. Oh, uh, uh, your the child's name is Grogu now, by the way. Just so you know. Oh, fair. Okay, I'll let her know. Uh, I'll put in the order with the uh, Texas government to change her name legally. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. Very excited for this week's guest, uh, because it's someone that you and I have known and respected for a very long time. And our guest today is fellow conference speaker and digital marketer, former Austinite Elmer Booten, and native and current Michigander. Michigander has been confirmed by Mr. Booten himself. Following a career in the U.S. Army, he has worked in digital marketing for over 20 years, doing everything from coding websites to managing online reputation management efforts as both an independent contractor and a corporate webmaster. He is currently the SEO director at GTB. In addition to all of that, he enjoys video games, including Elder Scrolls and Fallout, which are personally some favorites of mine, and is a big fan of British comedy, which Keith and I also very much enjoy. Keith and I have known Elmer for several years now and both admire and respect him greatly. So please welcome to the show, Elmer Booten. Hey. Hey. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Keith. It's great to be here. Hey. How's it going? That man? was quite the quite the uh, send-off, too, there, Jesse. I love that. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll have your check in the mail. Um, Absolutely. I'll uh, invoice you uh, very, very soon. Yes. If you need it to be line-itemed, that might take a little bit longer, you but you will have something in email uh, for your records. There you yeah, go. Yeah, checks I, I, in the mail. I, I hope the check doesn't wind up where uh, Casey's Bacon wound up. I, apparently, that got stuck in the mail somewhere. Yeah, I've never received that. Um, I'm very disappointed in him, even though he is currently <laughs> dealing with his medical issues. I do not forgive him. 
Speedy recovery, not good as our Speedy bacon. recovery, Casey. No, yeah, send me bacon or whiskey. <laughs> there is so, no compromise when it comes to bacon. Absolutely. Uh, no excuses. <laughs> so for the the audience that might not know you, which I would be very surprised if they didn't, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, both professionally and personally. Well, uh, wow. You, I mean, you pretty much covered it all from A to Z in your intro. But, um, you know, yeah, as you mentioned, I am a native Michigander, grew up in Metro Detroit, um, interestingly enough, I grew up within a few miles of another conference speaker and fellow digital marketer we know, Ryan Jones. We're actually from the same suburb of Detroit. And I found that out uh, one day. I was sitting at PubCon in Las Vegas. He was doing a local search session and was using examples from my hometown. And I'm thinking, that can't be a coincidence. So I went <laughs> up and introduced myself to him. A couple of years later, we're at the PubCon again in Las Vegas. You know, it's kind of like when I was in Austin, I would only see you two in Las Vegas most of the time. <laughs> Hardly ever see you in Austin. Um, so he and I are there and he comes up to me. He says, hey, I think you know my aunt. I'm like, really? Well, it's possible. We grew up in the same town. Turned out his aunt was my chemistry teacher in high school. Huh. <laughs> That's interesting, awesome. interesting small world story. Um, but yeah, I'm a native Michigander. Um, was When I was in the army, I lived all over the place. Spent a lot of time in Texas. Uh, went to the Defense Language Institute in California. Then I was in San Angelo for a few months. Uh, came back and was in El Paso for a couple of years. Then I was in Germany. Then I was in El Paso again. Back to Germany. That's kind of like on the Germany-Texas Express, as we used to call it. <laughs> uh, last duty station was Fort Hood, which, of course, is just uh, not too far from Austin there. Got out, started doing digital marketing, coding websites by hand, doing HTML and Microsoft Notepad, because that was all we had in the, at, at that time. This was in uh, 96 and 97. Um, then ended up getting a job just north of Fort Hood and Temple at a company called Wilson Art International, where I eventually became their corporate webmaster. And I did that for 12 years. That's where I did a lot of my coding. Um, we, at, at, when I first took the job as webmaster, we were taking all of our hosted websites and, and having them in-house. And so we, I bought all the servers, set all the stuff up, and um, quickly discovered that we needed to have a robust platform. So we ended up adopting ASP.NET, doing a lot of C-sharp, a lot of database stuff. Um, we wrote a custom CMS because they didn't have that many CMSs back then. Uh, content management system, for those of you who are wondering what that means. <laughs> um, did, you know, work with another person who could code circles around me. So she ended up doing most of the coding and I did a lot of the digital marketing end of it. So that's how I really started honing my SEO skills. And it's interesting, I did my first PubCon. I spoke at my first PubCon, which was in Austin in 2010. So I've been I've been back and forth doing PubCons for 10 years now. Uh, and it's been a great association because not only has it helped me to keep my skills up and learn new things, I get to meet great people like you too. Oh, thank you. Uh, appreciate and, that. Uh, it's really funny. I didn't know that story between you and Ryan. You and I met in a very similar way at PubCon 2015. That was my very first PubCon, very mm. first kind of outing in the industry outside of kind of the company that I worked at. Went to your session on local because I was very much in the local game at that point. Mm -hmm. Saw that you used a bunch of references to Austin. And I remember walking up to you at the end and going, hey, man, are you from Austin? You're like, yeah. <laughs> and that's how we ended yeah. up meeting. 
it, it yeah it's, it's kind of funny as you, you end up getting meeting people when when i when i transitioned from in-house um at, at the company in temple to do an agency work i was speaking in a session about leadership um it was the in-house seo team building and uh training session and i was talking about leadership stuff because you know i borrowed on a lot of the stuff i learned in the army um People have this idea that leadership in the army is like Arlie, Army, and Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yeah, it's really not, especially when you're doing a bunch of college-educated linguists. You know, you don't mm -hmm. have that um, bossing people around thing going on very often. So I had a great session, and I was sitting outside talking to one of the people who was in the session who had some questions. And I probably sat with the that person for a good hour, but the person who ended up being my boss at the agency I went to, Rockfish, sat and listened to us and introduced herself. And I already knew her and one of the other people on the team. I had already met them earlier. Um, and it was probably a month or two later, she called me out of the blue and said, hey, we got an opening, are you interested? I'm like, heck yeah, let's, let's talk. Um, so I drove up to their Dallas office and met with a couple of folks and uh, did an interview and the rest is history. It's interesting you've done so much traveling back and forth from Germany to Texas and back. Uh, I think German, German is actually what the third most spoken language in Texas, right? It's like uh, there's a, there's this whole Texas style of German that is, is yes. spoken here. Uh, did you when you went to Germany, did you take any of that with you and have Germans go, what are you saying? That's not. <laughs> well, I, I, I took German in high school and college. And I actually went to the Defense Language Institute to learn to speak Czech, which is a Slavic language. So it's mm -hmm. and, and which is another language that's commonly spoken in Texas. So yep. um, not quite as high as German, but it's especially there in central Texas around Temple uh, that there's a lot of old Czech population in that area because a lot of Czech settlers came there. Um, and so going to Germany, I, I lived in Bavaria for the first three years. So I had to kind of learn that Bavarian style of German. Uh, the Bayerische Lingo, which mm -hmm. is uh, interesting. Uh, and then when the, the second time I was there, I was up close to Frankfurt, which is more of a Hochdeutsch, high German speaking mm -hmm. place. So I learned, but I, it's amazing how quickly you learn when you're there because you're, you're forced to in some instances. And that really helped out a lot. So yet coming back to Texas, I rarely speak German. It's funny, I would speak German and Czech more in Las Vegas than I would anywhere because you always run into foreigners in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, the one time I was in the elevator and this German couple was standing in front of the door and I got to my floor and they were still going up and I said, excuse me, in German. And they both looked at each other and then they looked at me with these wide eyes. He spoke German. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Um, and there was another time I was in a hotel, I was staying at the Renaissance there next to the uh, convention center and our waiter was from the Czech Republic. And I heard him mention it to the table next to them. So when he came over, I ordered in Czech, which oh, wow. you know, blew his mind. And that's probably about the best Czech I can manage these days because you, you don't get to speak it very often. <laughs> it's a small country, so there's not a lot of people that speak it. Um, but he ended up, we ended up being friends on Facebook. Um, and so whenever I'd go back there, if he, when he was working at the hotel still, I'd pop in and say hi. Um, he's driving for Uber now, probably making more money than he was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, so, but there was one time I had a person that I was working with uh, there in Temple who was a, he was a, a Czech 
person, tough Czech heritage, and learned it from his grandparents. And so he spoke a little bit of it. And I remember one day I was at his office, he was getting ready to retire. And he and I were talking, you know, what are you going to do when you're tired? Oh, I'm going to go fishing and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And so we're talking back and forth in Czech and we're laughing and joking. But all of a sudden we got this crowd around the door. Because if you hear Czech and you don't understand it, it can sound harsh. Hmm. And they thought we were arguing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, wait a minute. What are you two arguing about? We're not arguing. We're talking about his retirement. What you, well, it like you're yelling at each other. <laughs> See, no, that's really funny. Uh, we're not. <laughs> when I was working with Arson for that year that I worked with him, I was kind of around him for a lot of conversations with his family. And he would call his mom in the middle of the day that kind of worked at the company as well in some uh, accounting aspects. And I'd be talking here. They'd be t speaking in Russian to each other. And I would be like, is everything OK, man? He's like, oh, no, we we're just talking about my son. She's taking him uh, later today. Like, are you <laughs> sure? Like, Are you absolutely sure that you aren't fighting right now? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a, there's a meme right now where it's like uh, talking about insults in di different languages, and it's represented by an animal. Insults in, in British English are a cat, and then I think uh, German, uh, it's a it's a dragon. Then anything in Russian is uh, Cthulhu, basically. Uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah, it's it, and you, it's funny because you don't think about it when you understand what's being said. It's it's perfectly natural you don't even consider that it might sound harsh to other people but it's like oh yeah i, I get it <laughs> um yeah I, I can it was i was watching uh somebody play fallout on twitch in russian and oh, what a game to, to play in russian <laughs> yeah it was interesting because you know you learn a little bit of nice vocabulary um <laughs> Sometimes it's a little more colorful than others, you know, but uh, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I, even though I understand very little Russian, it, it to me, Russian sounds more sing-songy. It's got a lilt to it that Czech and Polish don't have. Hmm. Um, so it's a little bit, it, it, and it's interesting, you know, when you know the language, you can kind of pick up on that a little bit. It's interesting. That's really interesting because Keith and I are both you know, relatively interested in Japanese culture, which ends up translating into, you know, learning a little bit at least of, of the language. Mm -hmm. So I was curious, like, what draws you to learning additional languages other than, you know, obviously being stationed or in the area that you live in? You know, I, I don't, I, I can't really pinpoint any specific thing that really made me want to trip up and, and learn a language. I, I, you know, like I said, I took German in high school and it was interesting but when I went to go join the army, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I said, well, you know, maybe I'd like to be a pilot. I want to be a helicopter pilot. So <laughs> the guy who was my recruiter, I was the first person he ever recruited. He had no idea what he was doing. So he's like, well, okay, a helicopter pilot. Because he, he says, yeah, you know what? I get a big bonus if I recruit a helicopter pilot. This is great. <laughs> so he sends me for the flight physical. And I show up at the flight physical and they're like, um, yeah, okay, we're here for a flight physical, class A or class B. And I'm like, I don't know, which one do you need to have be a pilot? And he says, well, you need a class A. But he says, here, let me see your glasses. So I hand him my glasses and he looks up, he says, ah, you flunk. <laughs> <laughs> says, you got to have 20-20 vision to go to pilot school. I'm like, mm. oh, crap, well, that's no yeah. So I said, well, forget it. So I go back and I tell him, I said, well, yeah, I can't be a pilot. So, you know, I don't want to do that. He said, well, you want to drive a tank? Like, no, I don't want to drive a tank. <laughs> <laughs> he says, well, we got this brand new, so this is going to date me, guys. I'm 
<laughs> he had a 12 inch laser disc player in his office. <laughs> we just got this 12 inch laser disc player, and there's a movie in here about different jobs. Why don't you watch that and see if there's something in there that, that interests you? I'm like, okay, you know. So I watch it and so they have this one scene of these people in a classroom. You can learn a foreign language. And blah, blah, blah. I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to learn foreign language. Like, okay. So he looks it up in the book. He's like, ooh, I get a bigger bonus for that than I do for a helicopter pilot. <laughs> ah, this is cool. So I got to go down um, to the central, what they call it, the MEP station, uh, the military entry processing station. They're downtown Detroit, take the language. They have this test where they go through and they do, um, at the time it was Esperanto. So they say, this word means this, this, and you have to use it this way in the grammar. And then they place some phrases and you had to do like this multiple choice to pick what the phrase meant. And the higher you scored on that test determined whether you could get into the language school and then what languages you could actually take. So I scored high enough that I could take any one that I wanted. I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. So then I go sit down and I'm with the guy and he's in front of the computer. He's like, well, what language would you like to learn? I said, well, how about Japanese? Because I was thinking in Metro Detroit at the time, a lot of the auto companies were doing partnerships with Japanese automakers. I thought that could be a marketable skill when I decided to get out of the army. Because I ah, had Japanese is full. Okay. Uh, German. I want to be. I want to go and be stationed in Germany. So how about German? He's like, no, nah, that one's full. So I went down the list, and finally I said, okay, what European languages do you have open? He says, well, I've got Czech. Put me down for that. I had no idea. I mean, I knew Czechoslovakia was a little country in in Central Europe. So I, I other than that, I didn't know much about it. Um, so that's how I got into the Czech thing. And nice. From there, you know, they sent me to a school in California. Spent a year learning it and. And the rest is history, I suppose. Well, at least you chose Czech and, and German to learn because those <laughs> people tend to be a little bit more, I don't want to say supportive, but certainly seemingly more supportive than Japanese. I, <laughs> as, as Jesse mentioned, we both speak a little Japanese. What's mm -hmm. funny with the Japanese is, though, that when they hear someone who looks like me speaking their language, it's such a left turn for yeah. their brains that they can't help but laugh. And it's not that they're laughing at my pronunciation or how poorly I'm speaking the language, but it's just it's that um, you know w w you know the, the reason jokes work in comedy is that it, it, we we sort of do the scenario building in our brains, and if if the comedian takes a turn that our scenarios haven't built out, it creates a weird sort of almost electrical impulse in our brain to cause a laugh. So this is mm -hmm. what happens when the Japanese hear someone that looks like me or you or Jesse speaking their language. They're like, oh, that's weird. So, yeah. uh, you know, at least, the, at least the Czechs and the Germans are like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad you speak our language. <laughs> yeah, it's and it was cool when, when uh, I got to go to the Czech Republic um, after the whole Iron Curtain came down and the Velvet Revolution happened and they split in Czech Republic and Slovakia. Um, they wanted to join NATO and just happened to be at the right place at the right time. I ended up being on a trip to go to the Czech Republic to do the very first unit exchange. So soldiers from the U.S. Army went there to meet them, kind of a meet and greet kind of thing. And then they came to Germany to hang around with the U.S. troops. Whole lot of fun. Uh, but it was so interesting that everywhere I'd go, when I'd start talking, they're like, they actually said somebody who speaks our language <laughs> and they were kind of surprised because it we're such a small country why would you even learn our language well you know you remember the cold war you know it's mm -hmm. like you know everybody we learned each other's languages um 
so it was kind of cool uh, when when I did that, and, and they were very impressed. Not by my language skills, by any stretch. <laughs> I can tell you a couple of really good, embarrassing stories about my horrible translations, uh, but the fact that you know that we, you know, the the big Americans would would send somebody who spoke their language with the group, and I thought that was really helpful because this was kind of a diplomatic thing. So that helped to grease the skids of making friends, which which nice. I was very happy to do. That's awesome, and you you're. Also into music as well, quite a bit. You play music. Um, I, not as much as I used to, but yeah, I, I play the bass. Um, a, I, I've heard, and tell me if this is true or not. Uh, maybe it, it is for some and not for others, but I've heard that people who are musically oriented tend to pick up languages easier than people who aren't. I've heard that. I've also heard that people are, that are really good mathematically are good at music and foreign languages. I am the buck in the trend on that one because my math skills are pretty, you know. I'm with you. They're they're okay, but (laughs) I am not a mathematician by any stretch of the imagination. I am absolutely with you. I play multiple instruments. I play guitar, bass, drums, a little piano. I am horrible at math, Mm -hmm. and I'm only okay at other languages at best. This is what happens when you take abacuses out of school. Right. Or is it abacai? That's a yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we'll just say we'll that's what it is from now on i'm into <laughs> abacai we we just got joy a little thing uh that has an abacus on it and i was joking i was like this is an abacus uh and she didn't really find that amusing so i'm gonna see if abacai works abacai yeah, it might you never yeah. know that's the that's the that's the fraternal order that abba was in they were they were an abacai <laughs> there you go <laughs> well done very well done nice so, Honestly, with that, and looking at the timer, it looks like we are at our Tell Me Something Good segment. Tell me something good. Yee. Tell me something good. My favorite part of introing this is your yee that you give uh, right before we get into it. Not well, just knowing that the song is going to be there, but knowing that your yee is going to be there. Yee. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So uh, this is our segment where we basically uh, reveal to the world one thing that we think that would add to their lives and make it so much better if they just had it in them. So uh, why don't you kick us off this week, Elmer, and tell us what your recommendation is. Oh, yeah. So my, my recommendation for something good that everybody should have is a robot vacuum. (laughs) (laughs) Can confirm. I am convinced that most human achievement is based on laziness. Mm. Mm. Why did we invent cars so that we didn't have to walk? You know, why did we invent (laughs) microwave ovens so we didn't have to wait for our snacks to heat up, right? All of these things are born out of laziness. And the, the robot vacuum is the epitome of that. I think it shows our society has elevated to a lofty position Mm. uh, because we are able now to cut the strains of having to vacuum the floor. So we've got the the one that we have is the Shark IQ self-emptying mm. XL RV 1001. <laughs> that's a really long, but that's the one we got. And um, it, it's, it's fantastic. So we have one in our upstairs and one in our basement because our basement is where our master bedroom is. 
the one upstairs is called Broomhilda, and the one downstairs is called Botman. Around <laughs> <laughs> the corner, I'm Botman. <laughs> oh, love it! So it's great, but these things are fantastic because they go around the house, but they're like pets. So if you don't have pets and you don't want to have animals around the house, which some people some people don't, these are perfect substitutes. They're like puppies in one way because they get into trouble all the time. The one that we have down the stairs, it takes the throw rugs in the bathroom and it screws them through the end. We never know where they're going to end up. Sometimes they're still in the bathroom. Sometimes they're on the other side of the house. How the heck? It's like a puppy going around chewing up stuff. And sometimes they get stuck in places and then their batteries die. And for whatever reason, it didn't report its location to the app. So you don't know where it is. But unlike a puppy, it doesn't whimper to tell you where it's located. So you got to go hunting around for it. Oh, here it is. And then you got to go put it back on its pad to, to charge. So in that way, they're like puppies. In another way, they're like cats because they're very aloof and they go about their business and they get underfoot constantly when you don't want them to be there. <laughs> and they just kind of go around and they, and if you tell them to go to a certain room to vacuum, then they'll go to that room for a minute and then they'll leave. It's like, <laughs> well, I told you to go vacuum the kitchen. Why are you in the, the TV room? So they, they're, they, they're like herding cats. And then when they're done with their business, they go back and they empty themselves at their little post. Okay. You know, just like a cat goes to the litter box. So, minus, minus the ammonia smell. Yeah, that's true. They don't have the ammonia smell. That's that is very true. But I'm I'm really quite uh, pleased with ours because again, I don't have to do the vacuuming. They still got to do under the furniture because they don't. They only you know they're like uh, about three inches high. Hmm. So anything lower than three inches, they won't go under. But my wife is smart. She got pads to put under the coffee tables and everything because it would almost fit <laughs> she just jacked them up just enough so they could go into the coffee tables ah, my life's really smart that way yes yeah, it works out so those are my my recommendation if you don't have those in your life you are really missing out <laughs> that's, that's funny i have two and i don't nearly have as many adventures with mine as you have <laughs> i guess well, i don't so have as romantic of a of a robot vacuum <laughs> scenario as you do you don't have the right brand jesse yeah sure I, I have two yuffies uh so oh the yuffies i've heard about those now uh elmer your uh robot vacuums do they use beacons or can you map out where they're allowed to go in your house or not on on an app you can you can't tell them where you can tell them where to go on the app, but you can't deny them a place. So, but they give you these magnetic strips that you can put down, mm. and when they sense the magnetic strip, they stop. Okay, so it's it's just as if there was a stair there or something. That's the other thing. I wish these things did stairs. Oh, I so <laughs> I still, you know, I'm like, oh, we're going to toss our vacuum out the window. No, we can't do that. We got to have it for the stairs and we got to have it to go under the, under the floor. Oh, that just, that just sounds dangerous. Just doom, 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 doom. <laughs> it would be. Yeah. But we did have one. We have a, a step down to go out our front door. And one time Broomhilda actually went over the edge. Usually she goes right up to it and kind of just goes back and forth along the edge. But one time or another, she just kind of fell in. It's like, yeah, there you go. Just like it that. happens. That's uh, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. It really does. She was just... drinking that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Jesse, what do you have for us today for your recommendation? So mine, it's going into my 
somewhat newfound love of reading over the last few years, but having a, a small child, it's a little tough to kind of get in depth with reading, especially with someone with ADHD, really hard to kind of stay concentrated. So I've recently uh, decided to check out the companion novels that go with the chilling adventures of Sabrina. And I finished uh, the first one, which is a prequel to the Netflix show the other day. And it's pretty good. Um, you know, more of like kind of a young adult sort of thing, not very involved and very much predictable, but it was a, it was a fun little read, knocked it out in like a week, which is very bizarre for me. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. So if you like that show, definitely check that out. It adds an extra little flavor to, to the weirdness that is that show. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was a twisted show too. I really, I really liked that about it because it had a previously been a comedy or mm -hmm. some sort of, some sort of like teen comedy yeah. for that matter. And uh, taking it to that very dark place that the Netflix series took it was, yeah. was a really nice turn. Well, and it's based off of a comic book that's literally published by Archie's comics and it is just as dark and twisted. So it's kind of strange that Archie, is willing to be that bizarre unless I just missed out on Archie actually being that bizarre as a child, but I don't remember. I thought no, it was a little I, fun and whatever. I, I, I think the, 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 the writers for that whole series just decided to take it to a, a, a less totally. uh, 1950s uh, life is beautiful uh, approach. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it's cool. really good. If you like the show, check it out. So what about you, Keith? What's uh, what's on your radar right now? I'm actually even still flipping the coin in my brain as to which one of these I'm going to recommend. So <laughs> That's what I do every week, man. <laughs> I wrote down four, and I, I don't have a four-sided coin, so what, what can you do? Um, I, I think I'm going to recommend um, on – because AT&T, I'm an AT&T uh, subscriber uh, for my internet. They give you HBO Max for free. Um and so that's given me an opportunity to catch up on some of the stuff that I didn't get to, to watch when DC had its own sort of streaming thing. Cause I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to do that. DC, sorry. Same to you, CBS, not going to do that either. Um, but, uh, doom patrol was a show that came out on the DC, um, uh, streaming that, um, I, I missed really quite frankly. And then I started watching this on HBO max and it's, it's turned out to be a pretty decent show. It started out, sort of slowly but it, it's picked up the pace quite a bit and what i really like about it is is that i feel like with the dc animated movies where they took dc essentially is they essentially um they, they thought okay well let's start cussing more and let's have more <laughs> graphic violence and that'll make us a better movie right i don't know if you watched any of the dc movies oh but yeah that's where they go, and it doesn't make it a better movie at all. It just makes it, you know, more cussing and and more blood. Uh, mm -hmm. So what Doom Patrol does is it's, it's got the cussing and it's got some blood in it, but they do it in a very uh, I don't want to say hip kind of way, but I mean, come on, it's got Brendan Fraser as Robot Man in this, and he's oh, is he Robot Man. He's Robot Man. I've heard Robot Man's great in that show. It's fantastic, <laughs> and then you've got Alan Tudyk. Uh, as as the Mr. Nobody, who is just fantastic. And, of course, Timothy Dalton as the Doctor. Uh, I mean, there's there's just some really standout performances in this show. So I highly recommend, if you get a chance on HBO Max to watch Doom Patrol, I would recommend it. We have a holiday coming up, so why not do it over then? <laughs> and the new Sabrina's coming out in, like, a couple of weeks, too. So. Oh, dude. Oh, they missed the, Octo <laughs> the October opportunity there, didn't they? Comes out on Yule. 
Uh, Yule. All right. You'll watch it on Yule. <laughs> Great recommendations, guys. That was our um, Tell Me Something Good for the Week. Tell me something good. So a little bit earlier when we were talking about language, uh, you mentioned something that we both share a common interest with, um, and that is the, the games of uh, Bethesda Studios, specifically Fallout and Elder Scrolls. So I was very happy to find out that uh, you, too, were a fan of those games. So wh what is it about that kind of RPG-style game that, that you like so much? I, I The thing I like most about those games is the open world. You can go out and explore and do things, right? It's not like um, Doom or... Um, some of the others where you have to follow a specific path, right? I mean, there's a storyline and you're encouraged to follow a specific path in Fallout or Elder Scrolls type games, but you can pretty much do whatever you want. So if you want to go run off here or run off there and do some exploring, or, you know, if you just decide, you know what, today I just want to kill mutants. You can just go out <laughs> and kill mutants and, and it's fun. Um, that's the thing I, that I really intrigued me about those games. I, I first started playing those when my kids, when they were in high school, started playing uh, Elder Scrolls. And they started playing Oblivion, which I think was what Elder Scrolls 3, Elder Scrolls 4, somewhere in there. And yeah. I'd never seen a game like that before because most of my games, you know, I'm old school. So, you know, Nintendo and those sorts of things, are, <laughs> they're quite different. I was, I was really impressed with the way the the games functioned and what they and i got hooked in the storyline so i bought an xbox and when my kids would come over and visit me we play you know we take turns playing and then of course when they were at home with their mom just on there playing all the time i got hooked on it so then when fallout came out i thought oh this looks interesting um so it was uh fallout 3 the one that was in washington dc mm -hmm. made by the same people i said well let's give it a try and I hooked into that one right away, too, because the, the storyline was pretty compelling. Now, 200 years after a global holocaust, people are coming out of vaults and they're trying to build their lives again. So you're out looking through different areas and, and doing whatever you have to do to, to finish the story. But again, the, the world's open, so you can do a lot of really fun things without having to totally be tied to a specific path. Uh, and that's the thing that I really like about those. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm a huge fan myself. I got into them uh, when Morrowind came out and not necessarily when it came out a little bit later because I didn't have an Xbox or a PC that could handle it. But when I played it, it was awesome. And mm -hmm. I always thought it was super intriguing, especially that game, because it was really early on in the the Bethesda taking it into a very graphical stage, uh, whereas mm -hmm. before the previous Elder Scrolls were a little more 2D, uh, not linear, but they it, they were open world, but not necessarily as visually appealing. Mm -hmm. um, but there was something really interesting about Morrowind that I always liked. And it was the fact that if you pick up a book in that game, it's going to have several pages where you can actually read it. So you yes. feel very like entwined in the game. I remember sitting around reading a book on it and my dad being like, dude, what are you doing? Like I'm reading a book on this like yes. race of characters and kind of learning their history. It was, it's kind of like D and D without a dungeon master. But then simultaneously in that game, if you want to go from point A to point B on a huge map, it literally took you hours to get there in that iteration of the game. And then you could mm -hmm. later fast travel. I yes. thought that was super cool because it, it truly encouraged exploration. And now with the newer games, as they've kind of gone a little more AAA, 
you can fast travel to certain points early on, but mm -hmm. I still like to walk. I think it's super fun. I do too, because it's the exploration part that makes it interesting. Um, so when I played Fallout New Vegas, you know, of course, it doesn't look really anything like Las Vegas does now. It's all kind of <laughs> steampunk 50s looking. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, kind of cruising through the desert and knowing the cities that you're going through because you've been there a dozen times makes it a little more interesting. Uh, but even that one has uh, Fallout has has things that you could read. You can listen to tape recordings of stories and people and and what they're doing. And and the thing I liked about that one is you could actually gamble to earn money <laughs> because you know you have the the currency and Fallout is bottle caps. So that's the currency because that's the only thing that they have that lasts. There's no you know, there's paper money, but it's worthless. So you pretty much mm -hmm. just get rid of it. But bottle caps are the currency of the, of the world, so it's like oh, I love bottle caps. I'll go, I'll go play blackjack in this casino. And you'll <laughs> sit there and play blackjack for hours. <laughs> it's like ah, I finally got enough caps. Like you go out and buy that new machine gun at the arms dealer that's outside the city gate. <laughs> Off you go. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, the other the other cool thing was the the homage to uh, you know like the Rat Pack and Elvis and stuff that was in that game made it kind of fun too. Uh, the music is always interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and I always liked Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, and that kind of renewed my my uh, enjoyment of their music was playing that game because it's playing in the background all the time while you're, you know, the, the different radio stations play all that old Rat Pack style music. Mm -hmm. There's one, because uh, my wife is also a big fan of uh, of those games. And I believe your wife is as well. So our gyms both like uh, the yes. same games as us. But she's been playing one lately called uh, Outwor Outer Worlds, something like that. And it's made by Obsidian, who made um, the publisher that made New Vegas. So yes. it's very reminiscent of that. So if you haven't played that, definitely check that out. Ah, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to check that one and out. That's, your that's bottle cap story reminded me. Did you hear about the guy uh, when Fallout 4 came out? He had a bunch of bottle caps and he jokingly tweeted at Bethesda and was like, how many bottle caps would it take to... Uh, to purchase a copy of the game and he actually kind of mentally did a little bit of a conversion um, mm -hmm. on their their worth and actually had the right amount and was like this is what i think it would be and they accepted his bottle caps he shipped them the bottle caps <laughs> they shipped him a copy of the game oh, oh that's God. hilarious i never heard about that mm -hmm. one there's yeah. another one when uh skyrim came out uh they uh, one guy was like if my son is born on 11 11 11 which is when skyrim comes out and i name him dovahkiin which is kind of the character principle of that game. Uh, can I have every Bethesda game for life? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Like, what are the odds of that happening? And it happened. <laughs> so he literally gets a the limited edition version of every Bethesda game moving forward uh, oh, and has that's... ever since 2011. Yeah. yeah. So then you end up with the kids like, Dovahkiin, what kind of name is that? Right, right. Well, then you get the cool story behind the, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it's fine. They're they're in class with uh, Khaleesi, so it's all good. So. <laughs> See, you got to go the middle name route like I did. And middle name of my daughter is Leia, so she'll have that. But I wouldn't dare do that as a first name. <laughs> we did joke about naming her Optimus Prime for a while, but that didn't fly. Oh, hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah I, I don't know if that would that would fly very well at all in schools for the most part you know who knows they don't have a sense of humor yeah i'd no, be right behind don't. her fighting everyone that 
that Indeed. hated on her for being Optimus Prime. Indeed. Whatever. I, I do miss uh, RPG games. I used to play uh, Star Wars Galaxies, which was just such a wonderful show. Uh, um, it, it was a MMORPG, thousands of players, hundreds of thousands of players. Uh, and it was just so much fun. Uh, I do. I should get into something like what Bethesda does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you but, might like them, but you should really check out. I think Nava talked about it on that episode, uh, Star Wars Old Republic. It's an MMO. Yeah. I think you would really like it. I, I think so too. I think I definitely want to check it out. I actually caught wind from one of my old guild mates back in the day. Uh, he let me know that they have resurrected an old server of Star Wars Galaxy, hey. and they, my guild is now meeting on this server and playing a game that uh, this game that doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> oh, 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 a new flower in Keith's life blooms again. I, like I need another yeah. waste of time. Come on now, come on now. I, I, I've already got I've already got plenty. So, <laughs> so no, go ahead. Well, I, it's it's interesting though. I. You know, Keith recently turned me on to Twitch. I never bothered with it before, but he mentioned that there was something on there to watch. So I started watching it. But then I started, I wonder if there's anybody playing Fallout on here. There's people actually making money playing Fallout. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how much they're making. It's probably not a whole heck of a lot. But, you know, there's folks that are on there streaming. They give tips and they teach you how to play better. And, you know, like I watched this one guy learned a whole bunch of new stuff. The, it's like, oh, I can do that task in about 10 minutes instead of an hour. That's nice <laughs> to know. <laughs> yes. Um, and I was really surprised at, at how, I mean, I, you know, it's outside of esports, these are just people playing the game and others are watching them. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a chat aspect to it because people can chat with the, with the people who are playing um, through the interface on Twitch. But I was really surprised at, at how big that really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people make a lot of money on Twitch. Um, and it's, it's, it's amazing to me because that's a level of intelligence for that type of motor skill that I just don't have. I can't mm-hmm. even imagine trying to make, make a living at playing video games. Well, it's yeah. even gone out past just video games. There's uh, a bunch of musicians like one, uh, his name's Matt mm-hmm. Heafy. He's the lead singer of Trivium. He said that he's actually made more money on Twitch, I believe he said this, than than touring and, you know, records, things like that. And they're a decently sized band for this day and age. But I mean, he's making like six figures a year on Twitch alone. That's awesome. And he's doing daily streams. Uh, he's got the rest of his band doing it now. Like, mm-hmm. it's actually helping him live his life and continue to play music without worrying about all the crap that the music business goes through. So it's, it's a really interesting platform. Yeah. Good for them. Now, now watch the music industry try to get in that, you know, shoulder God, in on that. Yeah. Destroy it. Duck. Try to right. ruin it. Uh, but I think the reason why we were talking about Twitch that day is because another one of our fellow conference speakers and SEOs, Lily Ray, is also a DJ and she was on Twitch. Yep. So I've caught a couple of her per- performances on there as well. And the other thing that got me was how good the sound quality is. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. really pleasantly surprised at, at how nice it was. Oh yeah, the video quality, the sound quality, really, you know, obviously depends on the setup and you know whatever the mm-hmm. production quality of that setup has. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I they use OBS, they use a lot of different like little pop ups and you know get people to follow me on Instagram, these types of things. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Lily Ray uh, is definitely a, very good at what she does. Not as only as an SEO, but as a mm-hmm. as a DJ as well. So it's an excellent DJ. Yes. <laughs> so 
With uh, a little bit of time before our lightning round, uh, we wanted to kind of dive into a little bit more of a sensitive topic that's kind of impacted you lately and is honestly something that's kind of sensitive to me as well. Um, but we wanted to give you an opportunity to chat about it. And, you know, just a little forewarning for any listener, you know, a little bit of a trigger warning here. This is a sensitive topic regarding suicide. So if if that's a little beyond you, feel free to, to stop here. Fast forward to the lightning round. But like I said, just wanted to give you an opportunity to chat a little bit about what you're kind of currently going through, buddy. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I have been very open about the fact that my youngest son, Joel, passed away on September 25th. Um, what I haven't told a lot of people up until today, because I've been still processing the whole thing, you know, losing a child is like, oh my goodness, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy 10 times over. It's just such a, a terrible thing. Um, but he took his own life. And that was how he passed away. And it, 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 like I said, it's taken me a bit. I still haven't fully processed it. I don't know if I ever will. Uh, just because something like that is so, I mean, losing a child is, is horrid enough. But then when you th try to process through the state of mind that someone has to be in to take that permanent solution to, uh, to end their own life is, is just, it, it's completely mind boggling. One thing that I'm very, very, very grateful for is, um, the many people who listen to this, you too, um, a lot of the folks in the SEO community, as well as my friends and family have all been so wonderful and supportive. Um, we were right in the middle of getting ready to do the PubCon virtual, and I had to back out of a big part of what I was doing just because I had to deal with that. Um, and I was really grateful to the organizers of PubCon, Brett and Joe, and, and some other folks that helped out. Uh, at, you know, you're 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 trying to deal with life when something like that happens. You just kind of get this uh, hit a big wall, you know, and, and everything kind of stops for a while. Um, but anyway, um, just kind of talking about that, there's there's a lot of things that I would because you know, just back up a little bit. As you can see, it's a little still difficult to talk about this. So my brain totally, yeah. it goes boom in totally, a million yeah. different directions. We've had some very prominent people in our industry um, over the last couple of years who have taken their own life. Um, and, and and I'm also being a veteran, I'm also very cognizant of the suicide rate among veterans being as, as disproportionately high as it is. Mm -hmm. So this is something that's very sensitive to me too. So there, there's a couple of things that I would really love to encourage anybody who might be in a position where they're thinking about doing that is please, please, please stop, think about it, and talk to somebody. Reach out. There's lots of, there are, you know, a friend, there are lots of professional agencies, there are people who are trained to help work, help you work through whatever you're going through to get beyond that. Because of all of the things that I knew about my son, you know, and he had problems. Everybody has problems, right? Life is a series of challenges and, and, you know, you have highs and lows, but nothing that he was facing that I am aware of and that any of the people who were close to him are aware of was permanent. Everything was temporary, right? And, and everything were things that he could have overcome 
you know, either by getting help or by making a plan and, and changing direction. You know, a little pivot here and there can make all the difference in somebody's life. So that's the the encouragement I would make is don't take a permanent solution to what are probably very temporary problems. Now, you know, we were joking around about how old I am, but being on the other side of 50, you get a little bit of wisdom, hopefully. Um, <laughs> at least maybe I did. Yeah. Um, but looking back on life, I remember being in my teens and 20s and thinking, oh my goodness, this is what my life is going to be forever. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's really not. And good things are in the offing. Don't take that permanent step to what are probably going to be temporary problems. Now, I get it. People have hard times and there are things that are difficult to overcome. But you know, we as humans are very resilient and we can overcome anything. And with a little help sometimes, but, you know, sometimes on our own. So don't feel like you're the only one who is feeling X or you're the only one who has experienced this, because I can guarantee you that you're not. You're you're yeah. absolutely not. And there's help out there. Yeah. And it's un- it's unfortunate that I think probably as a society, we're finally realizing the, the cost of maybe uh stigmatizing uh mental health issues um because yes. people have a have a hard time actually talking about that we've mm-hmm. as you mentioned we lost jordan castler um and eric ward uh, most recently uh to suicide and that was just you know mm-hmm. devastating i saw i had a you know facebook is is bad enough as it is but it insensitively popped up a memory with uh, a picture of me and jordan yeah. uh back in in i think it was october and i just was just for a moment mm-hmm. i was thinking man the year before he took his life he you know he came up to me gave me the, the typical jordan bear hug yeah, uh, yeah. took a took a shot with me and and just had a really good time you know hanging out with him uh so but we as a society we just expect everybody to be strong keep our mm-hmm. problems to ourselves and i know that um with our soldiers especially that is even more the case than ever before. Jeremy Knopf, a good friend of ours, is, uh, I think, consistently reaching out to his fellow veterans, asking oh, yeah. them to call him mm-hmm. and talk to him if they have any issues that they need to talk about. Yeah, no, Jeremy's great about that. Um, he reaches out on Facebook, you know, and I've I've talked with him about many things. Um, and, you know, he's another one in our industry, um, one of our fellow veterans. Uh, there's actually several of us. Uh, Quite a few more than I thought uh, until one day we did a Veterans Day uh, chat and they were coming out of the woodwork, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which was kind of cool. But he was certainly one of them. But yeah, Keith, that's that's a really good point. When when I was in the military back in the olden days, it was definitely a huge uh, stigma um, to be. You know, you don't want to be considered weak and, you know, going to going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist was considered, you know, unsoldierly or unmilitary mm-hmm. or liability. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, we have that people who have gone through that and, and especially, you know, I, I'm a Desert Storm vet, you know, so my war lasted three days. I did not see anything horrific like some of the folks that were in some of the more recent campaigns. And, you know, I mean, when you come back and you have PTSD, but you don't feel like it's appropriate to deal with it, it's a challenge. It's really hard because you feel like you're by yourself, but yet there's thousands of other people who have gone through the same thing. 
banding together, you're much stronger and you can work through those issues. Mm-hmm. Again, it's now, I, you know, I can't judge other people. Like I said, I've not been in their shoes. I don't know. But from my perspective, knowing what I know about being on the other side of someone, you know, some uh, being the next of kin who, of someone who's taken their own life, I can tell you the devastation that you will leave behind is much worse than what you're probably feeling right now. And if you can work it out and get help and get through it, everybody is better off. Because that's the other side of the coin is what's left for the people that you leave behind. Your problems are over. Yeah. Um, and I know it may not be sensitive, but, you know, I have to admit, I, I, I am kind of angry about this. You know, not only has my son taken himself away from me, um, which is devastating, but it's the manner in which it is. Like, dude, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah. Um, and I know that may not seem very <laughs> sensitive, but, you know, it's you go through those emotions. You know, that whole Kubler, Kubler Ross process thing is really true. And when you're facing something like this, sometimes they hit you all at once. And um, yeah, but, you know, kind of looking at that is, is the cost that gets left behind because if you have your insurance, your insurance policy doesn't pay for suicide. So no. your family is left holding the bag for the cost of whatever has to be taken care of, which which can break a family. Yeah. You know, so not only do you have that emotional devastation, the financial devastation can be very real as well. Um, I'm fortunate enough that my wife and I are frugal, <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but having an emergency fund of money in the bank where we could cushion that blow for us was was helpful. But not everybody has that has that uh, capability. Not everybody has the foresight or the ability to do that. So, um, you know, when you're desperate and you're stuck. You know, sometimes it, it, I don't know, maybe it would be helpful to think about the people who are left behind. What are your parents going to think? What is your spouse going to think? What are your kids going to think? Um, is what you're going through worth taking that last final permanent step compared to the devastation that you're going to leave behind? Now, I know nobody means to do that, you know, and um, I, I, I have no idea what it's like to face that moment. But knowing the devastation that it left behind, if I could have said one thing to him, it's like, look, I I get you're having a problem and I totally get that. But if you do this, you are going to hurt me and all the other people who know and love you way more than you can imagine. Indeed. Yeah. And and we don't know what goes through their brains um, uh, no. before they do this either. So they, you know, in some cases it may be that they see no way out. Some some cases it may be revenge, um, you know, for some slight, it could be any number of things. Mm-hmm. It, but I, I think probably the most important message we can, we can come out from this is that uh, th- there should be some communication with somebody, even if it's a, an impersonal third party, uh, like mm-hmm. the national Su- suicide hotline, um, don't get don't get wrapped up in the emotion of the moment so mm-hmm. far that you can't make a logical decision in those cases. And I've had a, a, a good friend of mine, Brad Hunstable, uh, he lost his son of 12 years old um, to suicide this year, uh, thanks to isolation from being locked down, having some emotional issues. Um, and he's got a, a movie coming out soon called almost 13 Mm. so 
this isn't just adults that make these decisions either. We've seen yeah. a lot of uh, yeah. suicide increases this this year in particular uh, mm-hmm. due to isolation. So, you know, definitely talk to someone, get the emotions sorted out with someone else. Don't sort them out by yourselves um, and, and talk to someone. Totally. Communication is really important. And, and, it, and to your point, Keith, when we're isolated like this, um, it's important to be deliberately communicative. Um, and I admit, I, I don't do that as well as I preach, but you know, one of the things that I know, um, having been a remote worker for quite a bit of my, my agency career is that you have to be deliberate about your communication. And I think that kind of fits, should spill over into our personal lives as well. Um, Hmm. That's why I appreciate when we can get together on Zoom calls and talk and, you know, um, forums like this. I remember I listened to the first episode that you two put together and I just thought, wow, it's just so nice to hear these guys' voices. <laughs> um, you know, and I think I think Topher was your first one and Topher yep. and I used to work together and, and uh, love Topher. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, loved working with him. And uh, just think, oh, I just get to hear these, hear their voices again. It's so refreshing. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely made it it tough this year, especially because a lot of us. I mean, I I speak for myself at least. Uh, you guys are like my friends. The people in the industry are my close friends. Like I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of friends outside of the industry. I have a few people here and there. So if you're listening to this and you are outside of the industry, please don't be offended. But I mean. <laughs> I only get to see you guys a couple times a year. So yeah, mm-hmm. really not seeing you all has been really tough. Um, yeah. and not sharing my, you know, my child with you all who mm-hmm. you were all so supportive during the pregnancy and her birth and all that. So it sucks. You don't get to see her. So that's been really impactful. Well, I do enjoy the pictures and the video. <laughs> we so appreciate keep, keep those coming. Cause okay. she is quite the cutie. <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story. This one's been really impactful for me. And we, we've talked about it a little bit on the side. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've, you're one of the only people I've told until now. And that, that moves me so much that you, you trusted me to, to talk to me about that because suicide has been a big thing in my life. I've lost a few friends in my teenage and twenties, um, to it. And it, it sucks. And I, I went through a few years myself, admittedly, where I kind of thought about it as a teenager and never, never made it that far. Thank goodness. And honestly, your story, really impacted me, you know, as a new father and thinking about, God, I'm so glad I didn't. I can't imagine doing that to my parents. So mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for being so open and willing to share this. Um, and it, like, like we've said, if you're in a place where you're, you're feeling those feelings, please talk to somebody. Don't be embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Oh, There's always someone not. out there that's willing to talk to you and help. And if, mm-hmm. if you know us or even only slightly know us, please reach out. It's, it's not worth it. So. Indeed. There's no shame. Not at all. None. Yeah. So with that, um, just wanted to kind of end this, uh, this episode on a light note and, um, move into our lightning round. The lightning round. Yeah. This is our weekly, uh, opportunity to ask everyone the same question. And, uh, you know, we'll do something fun with this at some point. I swear we will. <laughs> we cooked up some ideas that we're thinking about. Maybe we'll do it end of the year. Maybe we'll do end of, of the year. We'll answer it ourselves. And then maybe next year for season two of the Austin Otaku podcast, we can come up with a new series of lightning round questions. Oh, you know what we forgot to do when I talked about the shark? They're not a sponsor. 
yet. Oh, shark, oh, not a monster oh, yet. I forgot that. Yeah, I forgot about that too. <laughs> and, and I and I do like that brand, by the way. Uh, they that my vacuum cleaner is actually a shark vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they make good stuff. Yeah, it's 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 way more dependable than the Dyson that I had. Dyson, not a sponsor yet. Yuffie, uh, maybe if you wanted to sponsor, no one cares. <laughs> You just work with the size carpet that I have. HBO Max, not a sponsor yet. AT&T, not a sponsor yet. Oh, please don't sponsor us, (laughs) AT&T. You know, I loved AT&T when I was in Austin because their cell phone service was amazing. And I had had great internet. They are not very good in Metro Detroit. I had internet was terrible with them. Uh, We'll go into that another time. That's a that's a diatribe. That's a bad story. That that's we'll save that for uh, our Festivus episode. Ooh, um, I like that. We're gonna go. do a Festivus episode. With the I got lots of things against you people. <laughs> it sounds like you're coming back for that episode, Elmer. <laughs> we're going, doing, doing airing of the grievances. There you sure. go. Oh, I just I, I uh, the the day after Thanksgiving, I was like, all right, now we can watch Christmas shows. Oh, Festivus episode on Starfield, you know, <laughs> Good hooking Good up on, on Hulu. <laughs> Festivus for the rest of us. All right, let's start with the questions. Are you ready, Elmer? I, I'm ready. All right. How do you think your hobbies have contributed to your success in your full-time work? You know, we, we didn't talk about hobbies too much, uh, but I am a, an amateur radio operator. So I've been into technical stuff for a long time. So kind of graduating from analog radio stuff to digital and computer was kind of a natural progression. Um, I understood networking stuff because of my hobby way before I ever got into it as a career. So yeah, that definitely helped me a lot. And learning another language kind of helps a little bit um, because if I work on some international businesses, so at least understanding the complexities of what it takes to translate from one language to another helps out in that area quite a bit. Don't nice. hint, don't use machine translations. They are not that reliable. <laughs> not only are they not that reliable, they are just downright awful. <laughs> sometimes sometimes they're hilarious. Yes, yes, absolutely. But again, Al, I, I mentioned I've, I've got plenty of embarrassing stories where I've missaid something that uh, caused uh, a bit of humor too. So oh, I'll hum- share some humans of are not well. perfect either. it's true all right second question if you could be one fictional character who would it be oh wow um you know i've listened to your show before i probably should have thought about these a little bit more (laughs) but then they're not as spontaneous to be lightning Uh, what fictional character would i like to be oh there's so many how could i choose I don't know. I, I think I picked the character that I am in my Fallout 76 game. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. He, he's kind of a cool guy. Um, he's, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't do a lot of the uh, bad things you can do. So like my wife and I will go when a newbie comes out of the vault. So for those of you who don't play the game, you start out coming out of this underground vault that you were in for the apocalypse you come out as a level one or a level two player, you don't have anything. I mean, you, you, you barely know what to do because you come out and the map's empty. You don't even know where to go. Um, so sometimes we'll go and gang up on them and we'll make them armor and weapons that they can actually <laughs> use at their level and drop them. 
The hard part is getting them to understand that, hey, this bag right here is for you to go pick up stuff. But once they get it, it's like, oh, there we go. Now we've set them on their way. We've, we've helped them to success. You're wow, so you're, 76 mom and dad. You're, you kind of <laughs> are. You're, you're the lawful good of, of the, the game. It That's is, awesome. yeah. It's what is your Instead of being a, a putz and going out and killing the new guys, which some people do, they sit oh. out there in the vault and, and deliberately shoot the guys when they come out. Oh, that's unfortunate. So, what's your character's to... name? Um, Elmo. Elmo. Okay, I dig it. <laughs> yeah. I dig it. I dig it. All right, last question: uh, What other interests would you like to pursue if time wasn't a constraint? Oh man, I would. I would love to do more music. I, I, I was very active up until about two years ago, and I stopped doing it. And I would also like to get back into my radio hobby. Um, I really enjoyed that. I had a blast with it. And I've kept my license up because, you know, always with the intention that one day I'm going to set up a radio station again <laughs> uh, and, it, and just end up never doing it. So those are two things I would love to pursue when I when I have some more free time, whatever that might be. Well, I tell you, these these jobs, they just have no respect for our hobbies, do they? Work is always cutting into my free time. <laughs> <laughs> no question about it. All right, great answers. That was our lightning round for the week. So with that, we, we've reached the end of the show, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on, Elmer. Like we said earlier, we both you know, have really cherished your friendship and absolutely respect you within the industry. But also thank you for, for sharing your story. Um, we really appreciate that you trust our platform to, to share that outwardly. So thank you so much. Um, well, we hate that you're going through this and, and hope that anyone else that is would feel comfortable enough to reach out. Yeah, please Indeed. talk to somebody. You, you, it. it I am so grateful for the support network that I have. Um, I, I can kind I can say that I, I probably would not have been able to cope with it as well um, if it wasn't for all the wonderful people who have reached out. You know, even if you just say I'm sorry, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's really touching and helpful. But I'd also like to thank you two um, for having me. Of course, the the feelings of respect are are, are totally mutual, uh, and I appreciate your friendship as well. So. Thank you for uh, for having me on the show today. Absolutely. This has been the Austin Otaku Podcast. To learn more about us and our show, to be a guest, or to subscribe to our show, go to www.austinotaku.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.